Hey family, welcome to the first installment of my podcast. This is more or less a podcast just detailing my thoughts, sort of like a online journal for those who want to understand who I am, about me, my message, and how I view this reality. Firstly, I'd like to start by thanking you for even taking the time out of your day. I understand there is a host of a lot of different platforms you could have been listening to, but just that you chose to spend this time with me, I want you to walk away with a bit of value. Um, Secondly, I am Pan-African. Pan-African means all African, all African ideology. I believe in the uplift of my people. I believe in the uplift of my race through economics. Economics, or the founding of an economic system, is a system of collection and redistribution of wealth. Many of the problems that we experience throughout this world as Africans is because we lack this global African economic system that would act in our interests. Every single modern nation functions, modern and not modern, functions on the principles of economics. You have to have systems of collection and redistribution. The chief function of the United States government is to collect and redistribute wealth. This is done by more or less collecting taxes. As I've come to understand this reality, From the perspective of African, our social, political, and economic circumstances or realities are in the hands of other people. Our life-sustaining institutions such as education, financial institutions like banks and credit unions, uh, housing, lending, uh, how we get our power, our water, our food, our groceries. They're not only in the hands of another people, but they're in the hands of a people who are historically hostile towards African people and who are currently engaging in actions of hostility and warfare towards African people. Understanding this reality brought me to this sense of how vulnerable we are, how compromised we are, and how we still exist in a system of enslavement. If you look at the blacks in the U.S., my people in America, we have the same fundamental structure that has existed since we have been brought to these shores. We work for the enrichment and the entertainment of whites. That has not changed in over 400 years. So by viewing this reality under the lens of Pan-Africanism, under the perspective of Pan-Africanism, all knowledge that is gained through this lens is new knowledge. Like when we learn about psychology, I always reference Brother Amos Wilson or uh, Brother Bobby E. Wright. When we learn psychology, it is one thing for the European or for whites or others, and it is another thing for us. 
when we look at the Pavlov experiments, we understand conditioning and how to condition certain people, creatures, behaviors based upon consequences. The same is done with the skin of rat. Those experiments showed us that consequences come out of, or behavior comes out of consequences. You can shape and define behaviors based upon consequences. Example, when you look at the skin and rat, by the rat or the mouse hitting on the button to be able to get food, that is providing something that has never had to experience before, taking it out of its natural reality and putting it into one that you created. And it gained new behaviors like pressing a button to get food or doing certain acts to be able to take care of itself in other ways where it didn't have to before. So when you look at psychology, you have to understand the realities of African people under that same psychology. What are things we have to do now that we didn't have to do before? You can look at traditional African civilizations still. There was always a sense of economic reliability in many of those same cultures. Unless you were able to produce, men weren't seen as men. Produce mean having a herd of cattle. If the uh, more or less cattle or livestock is what reflected a strong economy in those villages. Be able to produce different wares and pottery, not just so, you know, to get by. Things where the well-being of the community was taking care of the point where these are things that people elected to do to increase their standard of living through trade. To increase their standard of living through doing things that they enjoy that more or less added to the enrichment of the community. Now we have to scrub toilets if you don't go to a specific school, specific educational standards and be validated and accredited, accredited by whites before you can have a decent standard of living. You have to engage in a system of mass debt before you can have a decent standard of living. You have to have a lot of different aspects to this reality that weren't apparent for Africans before when we lived in our own indigenous societies. So by being removed from our society and placed in a new society, we had to learn different ways of adaption for survival. And then you also have to take into account that when we started in the society, we were property. We were slaves. They enslaved us. So think about the different means and methods that we had to learn to survive under those circumstances and how it didn't just end, how those continued.
but analyzing all of these different things and taking history into account, it came about a revelation within myself. Systems of slavery and colonial rule set up a phenomenon when the products of our labor are natural resources that are in the wealth of our homelands or in the control of other people. These other people or other nations only have the wealth they have is because they exist in a system where they can continue to exploit those resources and exploit the products of our labor. They are rich off of the backs of my people. They are sustained from the backs of African people. So knowing that, I ask myself, what is it that we can do to ensure that we have the resources and the products of our labor and using it to benefit ourselves rather than benefiting and enriching whites? What will it take to acquire the tools necessary to put forth such a plan into action? And then it dawned on me. It didn't dawn on me. It was a series of lectures that I've learned through studying Amos Wilson, more or less. And listening to a lot of different positive mentors in my life. But it is the development of that economic system. In the U.S., as bad as things are for us here, we live better than most of the world population. Whatever wealth we collect, we just in ways where it's not beneficial to us. We exist outside of an economic system that wasn't meant for us and we contribute to that economic system which continues to uh, finance our own destruction as a race. So I look at it, when you look at the negative consequences of our life has to offer a solution to that is to build our own economic system collect our own wealth so we're able to do things with that wealth one of the biggest problems I see that we face in our community is the wanton murder of our members of our family with no consequences for those actions no punishment dealt people are walking away massacring black people with no type of legislation being passed and changed and even if you did pass legislation that legislation is only as strong as those willing to enforce it so what do we do when we're in a situation when those who are willing to enforce the legislation allows it to happen because of their own pathology what do you think is going to happen if we continue to let these massacres go without any type of consequences. I can tell you they will become more frequent if they aren't ready frequent enough. You inspire a new thought with our enemies that, they, yeah, they can do what they're going to do because there's nobody there to stop them. So as long as we can come together, put you know, they say blacks lacking an economy, we spend close to two over two trillion. 
That's how much it will worth to the American economy. And they're able to get a large chunk of that money based upon our spending habits, based upon our uh, taxation, based upon, you know, even how we donate our money. Donating to organizations that don't benefit us. Donating to churches that give to organizations that don't benefit us. And out of that, almost over two trillion. How do we use it to invest in ourselves? How do we use it to invest in our global African economy or global African community? Solutions. I believe that since economics is key, we need to build up a system or an economy based upon the mere fact that we are African and we want to be African. That starts by one, building up the business community. The businesses or business owners fall in the line as socioeconomic theory called elites. Elites are those because of wealth, status, class, etc. Uh, given an elevated uh, status in society and more often than not use that wealth, influence, what have you to dictate policy and policy making. So the wealth that is accumulated, some of which should be going towards pushing our own policies throughout the Senate. If we are going to vote, then we need to begin voting on one Put a black face there. Even though I understand the phenomenon that we are currently dealing with, black face doesn't do anything if it's still a white power structure. However, we also have to come to the understanding that we do not, and we have not, used our wealth to put behind politicians. And that's what we need to begin to do. And I believe it's a lot easier to move politicians that look like us and don't. Move them in ways that acts the way we feel they need to be acting. We also need to begin in investing in nation building. Building up, if this nation isn't going to serve us, building up our own nations that will. And by investing in nation building, you look at everything that nations invest in that builds wealth. There are five key principles that all nations invest in or industries that nations invest in that continue to build wealth. That is capital, financial institutions like banks and credit unions. That is import or export so you can access larger markets. That is um, advertising and marketing so you can brand and get those market get the awareness of the products to the markets, let the consumers know this is what it is. That is cheap labor, which goes without said, and $25 an hour is cheap labor. And that is also manufacturing to be able to create products. Businesses come together, put put forward legislation that benefit us, especially in the areas of trade. I would start with the making the African nations 
uh, favor nation status. That just allows mass trade to and from the continent with next to no tariff, something that China has, which is why you see so many products made in China. And then as long as we are capable and able to continue to grow and build these five principal industries, we're able to accumulate and build more wealth. With that wealth, we can act out the will of our people, the global African community. We'd be able to use that wealth to dictate politics on the continent for a more favorable transition for those who want to repatriate, those who want to grow businesses outside of the borders of the United States, and those who want to ensure that our enemies are able to take advantage of a lot of those different industries and exploit the resources without us having to say so. We'd be able to focus on building our education so that we do have systems that train young Africans and all Africans to believe and behave on how we think we should believe and behave. That also comes down with founding a social theory. Black social theory dictates behavior, dictates how we value, it dictates how we educate, it dictates how we deal with our enemies, it dictates a multitude of things. It is what literally shapes a culture. And there are other ways that we can go into more detail to discuss. And this is more or less me just getting the thoughts out into the universe. Not only, I'm not here to just point out the negativity, but I do have tangible solutions. This isn't anything that I've thought of on my own. It is a continuation of the much diligent scholarship that was produced by brothers such as Amos Wilson, Bobby Wright, and many of the great African giants throughout history, Marcus Garvey. This is more or less final attempt for me to be able to get these messages out to the people I'm at a stage in my development where I do understand that African economics is key it is the key to our liberation as a people but I can no longer live with certain contradictions and not act on these contradictions I feel my time is running short. And given that what I say is true, that we are under continual warfare, we do lack the control of the social, political, and economic uh, realities. The life-sustaining institutions are in the hands of our enemies. Given that that reality is true, and I'm not crazy, there's only one way that we should be dealing with this reality. And that's where my focus is leading me.
Anyways, thank you for your time. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love. We want to continue to support Cash App and Jataka and J-A-D-A-K-A 13. It's the same with Venmo and PayPal. I will list the links in the description. Reach out if you want to organize. There are many different initiatives that we are pushing so we can finally put together what needs to be put together in order to start solving the problems of our people. Thank you and have a great day. Hey family. So this evening, I have a lot on my mind. Um, Today's podcast will be revolving around decisions. What is the most effective way to be a revolutionary? In a sense, I know I am a revolutionary and I am radical. I do believe that there are specific ways African people should be engaging with our enemies. However, I'm unsure of the best way to go about that reality. I see myself no different from the Soledad brothers, from Jonathan Jackson, from the Panthers. However, once you're in a position where you do have family and you are working towards the future, you see that that life can be compromised by decisions that you make. And there are decisions that if I do choose the life of a radical or a revolutionary, you don't think of long term you won't be able to think of family hell you won't even be able to think if you're going to be around the next week and so it's tough because you literally have to make a decision which life you want to live that's where I'm at now which life I want to live and I really don't know what to choose or what's the best option if I do want to see African liberation because I understand as always economics and the development of an economic system is key to the liberation of African people but I also see the need for emergency compensatory justice You know, I have a life now that's it's not idea, it's not the best. I'm happy. However, because of my views, there's a lot of conflict, internal conflict. 
how do I go about living a normal life or seemingly normal life until I'm at a position where I have the necessary tools to invest and fight for African liberation. It's tough. You know, you have your family, you have your life. I don't know. I mean, I could weigh the pros and cons, but still, I'm put in a position where do I decide the family and working towards the end game, the long goals? Or do I push towards the reality that it is gonna, that our days are numbered to where we have to literally look at the closing off critical sections of the city by barbed wire, door to door searches, smell of cordite, smog, the black smoke in the sky that looks like clouds, warfare. How do I continue to engage with these principles of guerrilla warfare and also family? Am I to sacrifice whatever family I have for my beliefs or do I hold those beliefs until I'm in a position where I can act? I don't know if any of you have ever contemplated these things before, but you begin to contemplate doing things and living a life that is hard. You know, if you look at the Cuban Revolution, Fidel, they were in the jungle for a while. They had to hide out. They had to defend themselves against the Cuban military. They were taken away from their families. They were taken away from their loved ones. And I understand that it's literally my decision is resting on my relationships with those that I love. If they weren't there, the choice would be easy. I know exactly what I choose, but since they are there, these are some of the things you begin to struggle once you take up the banner of revolution. Neither way, I can be entirely at fault. But each choice, I find myself living a half-life. If I choose the radical, revolutionary, I sacrifice family of love. But if I choose family of love, I sacrifice immediate and tangible gains. I sacrifice that peace of mind, you know. I wonder how the other revolutionaries fared when they came to this decision. What was their options? What were their choices? How did they deal with that eventual reality? 
Is there a way to have both? And I don't know. In time, my decision will be clear and hopefully there are those who look back at these messages and understand why I chose what I chose. Until then, the question is up in the air, but there is a day when I'm going to have to decide. Anyways, I hope that you're enjoying your life wherever you're at. Thank you for listening. Uh, Continue to follow. Follow the process. Follow the journey. Understand these messages. And hopefully you're able to use them at one day and see the struggles of a revolutionary and see the struggles of what it really means to fight for African liberation. Anyways, thank you, family. You can donate on Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, username and Jodcut13 and J-A-D-A-K-A 13 and continue to support. Thank you for your time and you'll be hearing from me again.